This you in a golf masters preview with Real Golf Radio's Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountainland Supplies, Heinz Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and get some guns and ammo. Bob, good morning. How you doing, man? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. The Masters. Yes, of course I'm here, man. Where else would I be? (laughs) I didn't hear you chirp up, so I wanted to make sure you were there. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Bob, Bob, the Masters with gold, orange, and red leaves. I'm I'm going to need some help adapting to this. How's this going to work? Because the, the visual is one thing, but seriously, is the course going to play different this time of year? Yeah, it'll definitely play different, especially with what's in the forecast for later today and all day tomorrow. Um, you know, it's going to rain, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the golf course play a lot softer. Uh, maybe not necessarily the greens because they have the sub-air system, but um, it, it's going to be more difficult this year. And um, it's it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can break um, if they can get above ten under par. But I I, I think it's going to be a a higher score this year. I think it's probably going to be somewhere around eight under par. So I've been geeking out on the Masters, you know, because this time of year normally we'd have we still have the football, but we'd have NBA hoop. And without NBA hoop, it's creating a void. So I've been all over it. I mean, I got all sorts of stats for you. 17 <laughs> players have won multiple Masters. And most of them is because they have upright swings. And that really helps with the different lies. And also, too, the average winner has played the Masters six times. So, Correct. you know, that takes guys out like Finau and some of these younger guys. And did you know in the last 10 years... The winners, guess how many total doubles there have been? In in the winners in the last 10 years? Yeah. How many times have the winner has had a double during his four rounds? Zero. Twice. Interesting. How about that? Yeah. Wow, that was good. You had a number Bob didn't have right there. You surprised him. <laughs> good work, PK, because Bob knows yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking well, at it. I wrote I, it all I, down. First I was of, taking first notes. First of all, I, uh, I, I understand your um, average of six uh, Masters before they're a winner or whatever, but, um, I mean, as far as Tony and Charles Schwar- or, or Xander Shoffley are concerned, um, they're two good of players. I think that that's going to um, – that the six – this average of six is, is not going not gonna to transpire for them. You put Rom in that category too then? Rom? Yeah, because yeah, he hasn't I think played he's six. Another guy, but I think I think Rom jinxed himself yesterday when he skipped it across the pond and made a hole in one on sixteen. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just bad karma, bad luck. <laughs> that you know, you you do that, you do that in a practice round, and it just doesn't go right for you when you're playing. Okay. Superstitious. I like it. That's that's what it is. <laughs> it's pure that's superstition. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, as you as you get into this and uh, watch all this, you were talking about the course is going to be tougher. Do they accommodate yep. any of that with the pin placements, or they no. know where they like to put the pin each of the four days, and they're going to do what they do? Absolutely, they do. They um, they have certain areas in the greens where they put the pins. And, uh, you know, like number one, they'll, they'll put it about mid-left. They'll put it back middle. 
they'll put it uh, right front, right towards the front, and right towards the middle. Those those are the four positions on that green. Um, and each one of the greens has those type of uh, pin position spots. So um, they will they will control the golf course with with the moisture that they're going to get. I mean, tomorrow's going to be a crazy day because you're looking at starting at about 7 a.m., maybe even early 6 a.m., it's going to be 90% chance of thunderstorms. And if that's the case and it stays that way for the majority of the day until early afternoon, they may not even get out on the golf course tomorrow because they will not play during during thunderstorms or when uh, thunderstorms are present. Um, there, you know, it's going to happen. There's going to be isolated and scattered thunderstorms today. So guys are trying to get out on the golf course this morning so that uh, they can they can get another round of practice in. But as far as the golf course playing tough, you know, um, Augusta National has what they call Bermuda grass. It's what you see down there in Phoenix, PK. Yeah. Um, and it goes a little bit dor- it goes dormant in the warm weather. Right. So Augusta, what Augusta does is they overseed it with rye, which is what they do every place else too. Um, and the rye. When they over when they overseed it, they they probably did it last latter part of August, first part of September. It hasn't had a chance to develop enough because it's been warm, and because of that, there's still the lingering of the Bermuda grass underneath. So the golf course, the texture of the golf course, and the grass is a little bit different than what it's normally been. Is that going to be easier or, or harder for the guys? I don't know because in April, when when that uh, when that grass, that rye grass, is totally developed, um, it, it's tough because you get a little bit tighter lies on on the banks and the chipping areas around the greens. So Tiger said yesterday we're not going to be able to spin the ball as much around right. chipping and that kind of thing. It's going to run a little bit. So um, yeah, it's going it's going to be tough, and then the weather is going to make it tougher. Right. So the, and I was watching all that stuff myself, and they were talking about around the greens. It's going to be more yep. some more bump and run situations. Yep, correct. And they're Absolutely. going to have to accommodate for that. By the same token, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think most of these guys, or certainly a lot of them, have played this course in the fall at one time or another. So, and obviously they've been there this week doing what they do. So it they're prepared for the changes that are going to happen from April to November? Well, uh, you know, uh, a lot of them have, um, because once they qualify for, for the Masters, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's the top 50 from the year or the Tour Championship from the year before or whether they win a golf tournament or whatever, they, once they become qualified, they, they can come and play this golf, golf course anytime they want once it opens. Now, Augusta National opens in October, and it closes at the end of May, so um, you know that gives them a, a, a long opportunity. I think Tiger's only played this golf course in the fall uh, twice. He's always used to playing it, um, you know, like like early, like uh, you know February or March, to give himself a little bit of a um, uh, you know a feel for what the golf course is going to be like in April. So a lot of these guys don't really know how it's going to react in November, yet, you know, they'll figure it out. These guys are great at, at uh, figuring out things like that, and, and especially on the fly. All right, should we get to it? You ready Absolutely. for some picks? Yes. 
As the guest, you know you get to go first. A three-round draft here. Uh, we each get three players. And for people who are new to this, uh, we're not going to suck up to Tony Finau, the local guy. So he's the 10th guy drafted, and we all have him. Okay. So he's kind of off the board there. Those are the ground rules. You're batting leadoff. What do you want to do? I think I think I can predict who you're going to pick down to two guys. I just don't know which one of the two you're going to take. <laughs> who gets to go second? I usually go second. Pele likes to go third so that when win slash if he wins, he can tell us that we passed on whoever. That and he likes to throw it in never. our face. And that worked okay. for him. Who did that work for you with, PK? Can you remember? Cause yeah, well, I mean, he, he's called a defending champion, and his name is Tiger Woods. <laughs> and I picked him ninth. Ninth. <laughs> the greatest golfer of your lifetime. And you two yeah. bimbos passed on him, and I picked him yeah. ninth. And I won. And for yeah, those who he, are new to the show, that's did, why PK wants to go third. At the, at the PGA Championship. You did. I did. Exactly. So DJ is left holding nothing. Yep. We are holding trophies. Yes. <laughs> well, I got. I actually had a trophy in here. And I, a lot, is it over there still? I think I got some rec league trophy from Sandy. Uh, what did I get that for, PK? I won <laughs> that for something. So the City Weekly Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I got a trophy. Row, you won the spiel. Thank you. Yes, I knew there was a reason I had that trophy. It's over there on the counter still. So I'm not totally empty-handed. Please. Yeah, no. Let's be clear. All right. All righty. You guys ready? Yeah, who are you batting yeah. leadoff with? I'm gonna You're going with initials, aren't you? What? Yeah. You're going with initials. It's just which one? going to go with my guy. Uh, I am, I'm going to say Brooks Kepka. Ah! Did not see I, that coming. The reason I'm saying that is, okay, he finished fifth last week. He's, he feels, he, he's talking about how healthy he is and, and that he hasn't felt this good in a long time. And in his last six major championships, he's, he's 73 under par, and the next closest to him is 14, which is Dustin Johnson. So I'm going to pick Brooks Kepka. Wow. I, honestly, I thought he was going to be – I'd already – I had the first round all doped out, and I thought he was going third. I thought PK was going to take him. Hmm. Okay. I thought you were going to take – I thought you were going to take DJ or JT. And all I right. thought I was going to take the other one. So at this okay. point, DJ is going to take – his initial sake, not his namesake. His initial sake. DJ takes okay. DJ. DJ t- t- takes DJ. Yeah, well, Dustin Johnson. Second last week. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, I wanted uh, this works out great because after watching literally three hours of Masters coverage yesterday, welcome to my life. Uh, <laughs> I I'm I wanted to go Justin Thomas. You got him. Uh, because you got JT, uh, huh? Yeah, I mean, they're just listening. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, well, it was just uh, Leonard and uh, what's the other guy's name? Chambly. Yes, yeah, Brandel. Just listening, yep. just listening to them talk for over an hour about this, and these <clears throat> these guys are geeking out, and I had no NBA on, so I was geeking out too, talking about uh, his iron play and just the, mm-hmm. the way he's going, and yep. so I was I'm can. I wanted to take Justin Thomas, so it works out great. Justin Thomas seems to have a quiet confidence. And the, mo- yeah. the host, I don't know his name, he said, <clears throat> Justin Thomas has said that he's so confident that he has a shot to win that he'd stick out his chest if he actually had a chest. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Harsh. That's awesome. That's I, I, awesome. Yeah, the Brooks Kepka pick stummy because I thought 
Bob was going to take either DJ or JT, and then I'd take the other one. I, that's, yeah. how, that's how I doped out the first round. You threw me a curveball, Bob. All right, Bob, it's back to you for the second round. Uh, personally, I think we should be doing the, the snake draft, fantasy football style, but maybe we'll save that for 2021. Yach's waving yeah, it I off. Know, that's, you see, and that's what I thought when we first started picking these, that it would, uh, it would you know, yeah. PK would get two picks now, but you told me it goes right back to the top. So, yeah, um, yeah, it goes, goes to you. Going to the top, I'm going Xander Shoffley. And the reason I'm doing that is he's played two two masters and um and he's had a fifth and a second in his last in his last two masters, so he loves this place. So I'm going with him as my second pick. That's a little disappointing, Bob, but it's not surprising. Because <laughs> you were thinking about that one. Absolutely. Uh I'll take you know uh us San Diego boys, we stick with our own. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I'll take uh, I'll take John Rom. There you go. Oh okay. man, so he takes my Sun Devil. Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. DK? So you guys just you're just totally disrespecting DeChambeau, aren't you? Nope. What, what's your deal, again, Bob? You, you hate this guy. Nope. You hate this guy, don't you? You know I don't. I don't. I was <laughs> uh, I was amazed with how he played at the U.S. Open. Um, but you know, I, I think he's boasting too much with, with everything and how this golf course is a par 67 for him this week <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And when you protest too much, I think, uh, the golf guards are going to hit him right in the middle for this. I, uh, oh, well, that explains me then the life gods, because I just brag all the time. They've really hammered me. Yes, that is true. <laughs> That's not how you play at all. PK's so quiet on the golf course. <laughs> he talks very little. I, if I want to know what he's shooting, I have to pay attention and track it because he's not going to say. Well, every once yeah. in a while, you know, obviously somebody makes a birdie, then someone's going to say something, but you don't, you don't really know. Like, did he, is he part four in a row? I'm not sure. You know, I don't, he doesn't. He's very quiet. And DeChambeau's on my list, PK. If you don't take him with this pick, I'll I'll end up taking him in the third round, probably. So if you want him, you better get him now. You want him? You he's want him? To intimidate. You're trying to intimidate you me. You want man. him? Get in! Come now, on! I let I let Casper intimidate me last time around. <laughs> hey. uh, and the the mind games are half the fun. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did last time around. You you totally intimidated me. Yes, yes. And it still bugs me. I hate to be intimidated. It's one of the things that I refuse to do, and I let you do it. I let you actually I let your father do it because I figured, well, this guy's he knows because it's his father. So from the great beyond, I was intimidated, and <laughs> so this time, yeah, I'm yeah, 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 I'm gonna do it, Bryson DeChambeau. All there right. you go. All right, there it is, Bryson DeChambeau. All right, so it's back to you, Bob. Third round. This is your chance. If Tiger goes back-to-back and you don't pick him either time, that's a you problem, okay? Because you've been singing um, his praises forever. Here it is, teed up. What are you going to do, Bob? I am going to... Let me see. I got in your head, didn't I? No, you didn't get in my head at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love nothing more to see than to see Tiger win back to back. He's already done it once. Uh, I just don't think he's quite there. So, um, against my better judgment, I am going with Rory McIlroy. Oh, Bob! Dang it! Dang it, Bob! <laughs> DJ, I just love taking him right out for Monday. Man. 
but Rory has a chance to get the career Grand Slam if he wins this week. So, sure, yeah. And then he has another chance in four and a half months. Yeah. And then another chance in twenty-four or twelve months later. <laughs> Twenty-eight and a half months. Uh, well, let's just count them down, guys. Keep going. Keep <laughs> like... going. <laughs> All right, now I'm up, and you guys have gutted my list. All right, we got to uh, we're gonna have to uh, freelance here and get somebody. Man, Rory, that is really disappointing. Uh, and here's the other thing, and this is me getting talked out of this. Um, I've ha- I've been lobbied by somebody to pick uh, Matthew Wolf, but now I'm hearing the whole you got to play the course six times on average, and this is his first Masters. It is. So Just his well, fourth Wolf, start as a Wolf professional odds for are seven to th- seven to one right now as a rookie, as a Masters rookie, to finish the highest, um, the highest of all the rookies <laughs> this year. Oh, so he's not seven to one to win. He's seven to one to finish the highest no, of all the rookies. No. No, not seven to one to win. I feel like I'm giving away a pick if I pick him. All right, Matthew time, Wolf, though. I'll take him. What the heck? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> 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 Honestly, I feel the way about this draft that I feel about fantasy football drafts. Half the fun of playing fantasy football is draft night and everybody trying to get in everybody's you know, head and intimidate right. them out of a guy so a guy slides to them and then ripping each other's picks and being disgusted when someone takes the guy you wanted literally right before your pick. That's the fun of this. Who you got, PK? Well, well DJ. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm deciding between Fowler. Or... Right now at 50 to 1. So there you go. 17th in the odds? Yes. I took a guy who's to 17th in the odds, but I took him with the eighth pick. So, wah, yep. wah, wah. Now, he went to Oklahoma State, didn't he? He went to Oklahoma State also. So, I'm deciding between yeah. Fowler, another Oklahoma State guy, or Webb Simpson. Yak, which one do you think I should do? DJ got mad at me for the U.S. Open when I told him to pick Webb Simpson, and Webb did not play well at all. No, he didn't. So I'm going to go. So, tell him Webb Simpson. You owe him. I'm not, Keep it even uh, with no, the host. I'm not going Webb Simpson. Go with your All boy. All right, I'll go Fowler. I'll go Fowler. All righty. He's due. Cool. He's, he's due in a big he's way. He's overdue. He's 82 he's, to 1. He's 10 Fowler. months pregnant, man. He's overdue. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, an elephant? <laughs> so, well, good job. You got them all written down, Yak, huh? Yeah, we got them all written down. He's got the list. list. I'll hold on to it. We'll okay. recap it on Monday. Cool. All right. Hey, guess what, this, guess, what the, guess what else this week is? It's the 50th anniversary of my dad winning the Masters. Yeah, I saw that. So big five zero. Yeah. yeah. In fact, in Do fact, have in any... the media center, they have a a dining room called called the Bartlett Lounge, and at the end of the dining room, they have the scoreboard. And during the tournament, um, you'll see on the scoreboard as you as as the media is in there eating and stuff, you can see how. You know who's leading and second and that kind of thing. The scoreboard today, a friend of mine, Jim McCabe, um, who writes for the Augusta Journal, sent me a um, a picture this morning and said, "I'm missing your dad right now." And on that scoreboard this morning, it was how they finished in 1970 with my dad at the top. It's pretty cool. 
Way cool. Do you have any memories? You know, 1970, I wasn't there. I was 10 years old, uh, not quite 10 years old, nine years old. And I was back home. I didn't go to the Masters till I was like 16 years of age. Um, but uh, I can I can remember I can remember um, that my dad was in a playoff um, on on Monday, and he uh, he played off with his his real good friend from San Diego, Gene Littler, and beat him in the playoff. So. Gene Littler is a name that I read in the San Diego sports pages, and I as a kid, the San Diego media loved that guy. Yeah, and your dad's yep. name was in the papers a lot too. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, but Gene, Gene, and Shirley Littler are very, very close friends. My mom and dad's, and uh, and their their families and our families are really close. And unfortunately, my dad um, took that opportunity away from them to win the Masters and and be there. But it, you know, it was one of the things that my dad cherished more than anything is is winning the Masters and being a part of that fraternity of of Masters champions there at Augusta National. Hmm. Bob, if I had said Matsuyama, would you have made the wah, wah, wah noise? Um, actually, Hideki was ninth. He's at uh, 38 to 1. So I probably wouldn't have said that. Hmm. But there's not been, an, uh, you know, there hasn't been um, somebody from Japan that has won a major championship. So. Yeah, that's Not what I was. He couldn't be the first, but he's playing some. He's playing some good golf. I th- I think you know if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of go out there, um, you know, one guy that's just won a couple weeks ago is Patrick Cantlay. He's a great player, mm-hmm. and and he's played well well here before. Um, as far as a past champion, Patrick Reed's playing well. He's he's tenth on the odds list. So, I mean, there there's some other guys, but I think I think what you guys did was good. All right, Bob, we appreciate it. And uh, right, now guys. we can get a group text going and light each other up as this tournament goes on because <laughs> the weather's nasty. And I, well, we'll be watching some football. PK and I will be watching some football, too. You'll be locked down on golf, I assume. But uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be watching you some know, college not, I, don't, I don't think they're going to play tomorrow. Really? If you want to know. And with short days, it's going to be really tough to get this golf tournament in before Sunday. Mm, okay. Or by Sunday. So, yeah. Bob, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on. All right, guys. Take care. All right, there it is. Brooks Kepka, the number one pick in the Masters draft. And uh, we'll recap this with Bob on Monday. We're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, everything you missed in this show in one quick segment. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The NBA Players Union and the league have reached an agreement for the start of the 2021 season. Free agency will begin November 20th, two days after the draft. The regular season will begin December the 22nd. The salary cap is going to stay the same, $109 million. Remarkable, considering the losses. Right. I would yeah. guess the owners are pretty optimistic they can get back to producing some revenue sometime soon. Yes, they must be. I think that it's great. They've been able to pull this together, agree on all of this in such a wild time and such a short period of time, because this is a situation that we've never seen before. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, PK. 
We have discussed many things this morning, uh, and one of them that we discussed but we didn't get quite all the way through was the uh, BYU to the New Year's Six Bowls. You're of the opinion that they do not have to schedule another game, that they are in. And we referenced some of the stuff that uh, has come out. Brett McMurphy put BYU and Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. I had been talking about uh, BYU versus the Pac-12 champ. What if, you know... Oregon is six and one or seven and zero and gets passed over. Maybe they don't play enough games. Maybe they're maybe they're six and zero or five and one because they don't get to play Cal or somebody. Uh, and so I thought that'd be a good Fiesta Bowl, undefeated BYU versus the Pac-12 champ. Uh, McMurphy puts Oregon in the playoff as a three seed. He doesn't even squeeze him in. He's got him in as a three seed, playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I reluctantly go Ducks, but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it matters the, uh, the your seed as long as you're one of the four, right? No, so the reason I brought it up point. is yeah, um, it, the reason I brought yeah. it up is it's kind of cool that it would actually be a playoff, and yet it would be the traditional Big Ten or Big Ten Pac-12. And I am a little surprised that the Pac-12 has any team in seeded anything in the 14 playoff. I kind of expect them to get passed over. I, I get that, especially as the reduction of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say imminent, but probably, I guess probable, use uh, sports terms. My thought for you, as far as the Peach Bowl, what do you think under the COVID situation of trying to keep teams local as much as possible? I think that that makes sense in all the sports where they travel commercial, but because football charters, I don't think it's as big a deal. You know, you get on the charger, charter, it's all your own people, who you've been testing all along, so I don't really think it matters. Now, if you're flying a basketball team or a volleyball team or a baseball team or whatever, uh, and you're flying them commercial, yeah, then I, I get your logic of you know trying to stay off a plane if possible. I mean, at the Fiesta Bowl, you could literally bus a team to Phoenix. It wouldn't be ideal, but it's not impossible. I just think the less exposure you have, the better. Uh, but in football, where they're flying charters, it doesn't matter to me so much. And you're not traveling fans. Normally, I would say, absolutely, uh, for the fans, try to stay local. Um, but I don't think fans are, you know. I think they're going to have some fans in the Fiesta Bowl. I think they'll have some fans, right. But I think it's going to be a crowd of ten or 15,000, and I think you can sell that out regardless of who the teams are. Well, there's no question you can sell yeah. it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not talking about selling out. I'm just talking about safety. And uh, BYU chartered and got guys uh, testing positive. They got on the plane, flew to Annapolis, and then when they got back, I was told so that was a charter situation. Yeah, I think, I think there's a certain amount of exposure that happens. Um, who do you interact with at an airport? Who do you interact with at a hotel? Um, who do you interact with uh, when you're getting food? Who do you interact with at the stadium? Uh, so there's there's all kinds of potential exposure points, and maybe they did get it on the airplane from somebody interacted with. I suppose that's that's possible. So uh, I just I guess it doesn't go. I we should probably have someone who has more medical knowledge than me, but uh, that was why I kind of wrote off that. Uh, the other. Pre- uh, projections that Brett McMurphy threw out there. He thinks Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame in a, in a rematch and knock Notre Dame out. I kind of think a one-loss Notre Dame team, if the loss is to Clemson in the title game and if it's, if it's a reasonably competitive game, that's where I see a second team from the ACC getting in in front of the Pac-12 champ. Because I really do think that the Pac-12 is at a disadvantage if they only play seven, if the champion only plays seven games. I don't think it matters so much if the 
if the teams in the middle of the league play four or five games, if the champion is sitting on a seven and zero record, I think they got a shot. But I don't think there's any guarantee the champion's sitting on a seven and zero. I don't know that they're going to get to play seven games. Uh, the odds of going undefeated go up because you're not going through the gauntlet of playing nine teams. I think it really works in favor of the South teams. Um, I think the middle of the league that can be really dangerous is mostly in the North Division, and they're missing those crossover games against those teams that aren't great, but on any given week, they can be good enough to take you down. You know, I think if you're in the South, largely there's three good teams and three bad teams. You know, so I don't think having a, everybody has a couple good games in the league, but I think that these teams in the South, ASU obviously has a loss now, and Utah is going to be missing a game. Uh, but for USC, you know, the danger is in a lot of those crossover games. USC had a really good team that went up to Washington State a few years ago and got beat. And Washington State wasn't a great team, but they're just a classic. They might be the fifth or seventh or whatever best team in the Pac 12, but they can beat you on any given night. So. There you go. That was one thing we talked about, uh, college football. Now, we talked a little college football today with, um, with David Nixon, and he's a former NFL guy, and BYU's having this big season, and how many NFL guys do they have? And he thinks that that's pushing double digits. Now, one of the guys he counted is Bushman, who's not playing for the team this year. Um, but he said, uh, obviously, Zach Wilson, and we're seeing him multiple uh, mock drafts have him in the first round. Uh, he thought Gunnar Romney had a shot, and he thought Christensen and Empey on the line. And then defensively, uh, Tonga for sure. He really likes Wilcox and thinks Warner and Kafusi have a shot, you know, 40 times. Um, yeah, some of these guys are juniors also. Do they come out now or do they next year? But PK, I think the bigger point is if you start getting 8, 10, 12 NFL guys on your roster, you're going to be a much better team. BYU hasn't had that. They've had disappointing seasons. If you go back over, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, pick whatever you want. Uh, it looks like the number of NFL guys is going up, and, and the wins are going up. And I know the schedule's soft, but they won some of the big games last year. They tripped up against group of five teams that were 7-6. and six. Toledo and South Florida. Hawaii, I think, was 8-6. and six. So, you know, it was the quote-unquote softer part of the schedule that got them last year. I, I just think if this is a trend, and if the staff is going to recruit, identify, recruit, and develop these players and have 8 to 10 to 12 NFL guys, especially if you have one of them at quarterback, obviously. Uh, but this is going to matter big time going forward. They haven't had it. So you got BYU in the playoff next year then, huh? No, I think they're sending a lot of these guys to the NFL. I don't have them in the playoff next year. <laughs> Way to overstate it. Thank you. This is what you do when you largely agree with me. You largely agree with me, don't you? Say it. You know you do. Say it. Oh. Largely agree with you on what? It's good that they've got more NFL talent. They've needed this. This has been a missing thing in their in their well, uh, no program. Crap. See, <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> Every single person, either born and dead, living or yet to be born, if you ask them the question, is no. it better for your college team to have more NFL talent than not? No. Are they going to say no? The yes. only guy who would say no is Bronco. Right, and the people who stuck up for Bronco <laughs> when he was here, and there were plenty of those. And you partially did. No, there weren't. There was nobody. Oh. That was a dumb comment he made. That was. I remember Jay Caressa saying, shut up, man. <laughs> I get to decide whether I want to live the lifestyle of the NFL, not you. You're not my father. And he was it, it, that that is just him saying trying to save face because the talent level was dropping. And he, he said that, 
you know, as they were progressing into independence, mm-hmm. and Utah is progressing into the Pac-12. And getting more NFL So the talent. clear advantage yep. was to the north. So he had to sell it. To, and then, then that makes you look good. Oh, look what I'm doing, man, with all this non-NFL talent. You know, he also said playing the P5 schedule was so much more difficult, blah, blah, blah. No, not necessarily. Not top to bottom. Come on. Some of these teams in the P5 suck. Uh, Riley Jensen was on, and he talked uh, coaching change. Do they stay inside the Utah football coaches ecosystem, or do they do a national search? And Riley's Riley's leaning national. He brought up, which I think you and I both heard privately from multiple people. Well, Hartwell kind of had Gary Anderson forced on him, and obviously that didn't work after a year and three games. And he got to go out and hire a basketball coach, and obviously that has worked. Let's close our eyes and see a shot in Las Vegas again, and Scotty screaming like crazy and making sports centers open. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a local player, I might add, right. who's already on the roster. So before we uh, anoint Craig T. Smith, John Wooden here, let, let's see if he can continue it without, uh, well, it's really Stu Morrill's players. I mean, because he was, and who's the other guy? Durier, that was a disciple of Stu. Uh, and BYU missed on Merrill, although maybe he would probably would have gone to Utah State either way. So, and he went to South Dakota to go be national. Yeah, I think Hartwell has designs on being national, and so they're going to have to figure out. Do they? If if Jay Hill was in South Dakota, would he be more attractive? Yeah. The answer better not be no. <laughs> I mean, the answer better be no because if the answer is yes, he would be more attractive. That's ridiculous. Jay Hill's a winner. Look what he's done. So just because he's right down the street, so to speak, that doesn't mean that he's not your guy. And I don't know if Jay wants it, but if he does, then he should be able to receive strong, strong consideration. Just because he's down the street, as you know, I remember Dick Vitale saying, "You put a vitch on or itch." Uh, some of these guy Americans' names back when the NBA was so fascinated with drafting foreign guys that uh, they would be drafted much higher. He was talking about Luke Walton at the time. And so I wonder here if Jay Hill was coaching someplace else, would that be that much more attractive? Uh, the answer better, better, not, better not have anything to do with it. Time to give away a Uinta Golf Masters giveaway qualifier here. The brand of putter the winner plays is the prize. We're partnering 25 listeners with 25 players. A 26th listener will get the field. And right now, Yak, the next qualifier gets... PK's pick, Bryson DeChambeau. All right, be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE, and you'll be assigned Bryson DeChambeau. And he will hit a three-wood over the back of the green and then chip back on. It's brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Interim head coach at Utah State, Frank Miley. Obviously, it's not an easy process or transition. Uh, when you lose somebody you love dear to you who's been leading the team, a lot of these guys are here because of Gary. So uh, for these guys, they took it kind of hard. It was unexpected, obviously. But I think they understand that, that it's, you know, the brotherhood has always been about the family, right? And no matter what happens, good or bad they got to stick together and uh, coach anderson's done a great job installing that into these young men and so they're carrying that
that forward uh, in behalf of him, and they're going to fight to the end. So these guys have done a good job so far transitioning. Obviously, some of them are probably still hurt, but uh, there's no better way to stay focused and, and, and to get past it but to get right back in the ball. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Time for your feedback. What are you saying about today's show? Clint listened to the Masters draft and says, I'm calling my shot. Finau wins the Masters. Tony breaking through. That'd be awesome. A matter of time before he breaks through. I don't know that he's going to break through at a major first. And he does got to have that one win. Where was that? Puerto Rico? Mexico? Where was that? Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico Open. Uh, yep. Puerto Rico, yeah. And obviously he's been in contention a bunch, but... There's a big difference between being in contention and winning. I just yep. the, the Sun Devils are 0 and 1 and they were in contention for 59 minutes and they're 0 and 1. Uh we got a lot of uh conversation here that uh started man I think you and I think this is a slam dunk but uh about Zach Wilson leaving early. I guess it's sinking into Cougar fans that he is probably gone. It's been obvious to us for a while. Uh, there's no way you can advise a first-round draft pick to come back, PK. You just can't. You can't do that. There's too much money. It's too violent a sport. And you can't, you can't have someone risk a multi-year, multi-million-dollar contract. Well, I think I would go the first three rounds in the NFL because it's a numbers game and the uh, likelihood of the – third round kid making the team is very very high now he does have an issue uh, doesn't have the issue with the age with the mission thing you look at austin collie uh david nixon talking about how austin collie went out after his third year which was actually his fifth year post high school because he did go on a mission and i think he was a fourth round pick and he was very very good so yes i think you have to in these situations here so i would i mean i'd I don't think I don't even think it's a question. What, yeah. what, what, what would Zach Wilson want to stay for? I mean, it's BYU fans looking out for their self-interest, not yeah. looking out for the interest of the kid. So we've also got this about scheduling. I got to disagree with Kirk Herbstreit saying BYU can't control their schedule. They do this year because they can literally choose to schedule a game or not in one of the bye weeks. If they want to prove they're legit, and I think they are. I think they prove it by adding and winning a solid game. That That's comes from Rick, and That's I think not true. and I think the big question there is Rick, uh, who's going to provide the solid game yeah. that A is available that weekend and has an opening, and B wants to play BYU. Well, what's in it for that other team? Now, if there is someone available and they offer BYU and BYU turns them down and it goes public, then that would look bad and and provide a potential argument. I just don't think that's going to happen because there aren't going to be that many teams available, and I think the ones that are available might not be in their interest to play BYU. And then historically, every time BYU beats a a brand name, oh, that brand name isn't good this year. Well, I think the Power 5 teams are off the table. We're not, I don't think Power 5 teams are looking to add a game. If something comes available, you know, because somebody else cancels, you know, Nebraska kind of gave us a little insight. We can certainly write off the Big Ten, but I think we can write off the rest of the Power 5 conferences. Yeah, I mean, probably, but at the same time, the Mountain West realized that it made sense and went out of conference with Boise because right. they already have the Air Force situation. Sure. Now, it turns out but, they're not playing anyway. And Boise's in a situation where, okay, we want to go to a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, and we are clearly chasing Cincinnati, so how do we how do, we do this? How, how do we catch Cincinnati? Well, we need a big-time game. Well, yeah, so it was, in, it was in their interest to schedule that game. I don't know that it was uh, chasing Cincinnati at the time they scheduled the game. 
Okay, well, they they know the last few years they've been chasing the best team in the AAC. So Cincinnati would have been one or two or three teams. Now it turned out at Cincinnati. Actually, uh, it would be in their best interest not to play the game because if they went undefeated, they would have a much better chance to get in, and now they're saddled with one mm, loss. So I can undefeated, argue that it's in undefeated, it's no. undefeated with seven games when Cincinnati's going to play ten. I mean, I think it was back to your Pac-12 argument. When you play seven games, it doesn't feel like a – a full season. But if BYU gets in and Cincinnati gets in, that means it's not head-to-head. It's not one or the other. All right, we'll leave it there. You can continue to debate. Hans and Scotty might debate this. They've got four hours of radio. They're coming up next. Stay with us.